The start order is 17423985. The Extra Lap RC Podcast. Yes, welcome to the Extra Lap RC Podcast. My name's Aidan Burke, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Joey Cockle. How are you doing, Joey? Good afternoon. Uh, I mean, good evening, sorry. Hello. Mate, those shifts are playing havoc with your body clock. Oh, tell me about it. One of the three of us are working. And have we still got Martin? I'm still here. Mate, how are you? I'm very well, yourself? Mate, um, only in the crazy times can I say I'm really happy tonight because I actually got to drive to Tesco's um, and pick up some shopping. So that was like a day out. That was nice. Um, I did drive past the track, but that was just to check it wasn't on fire or anything like that. Um, <laughs> But we can chat about that kind of stuff afterwards. Let's go straight to our guest. Um, Martin, who are we going to speak to today? So this evening we have two very important people from the new Flying Cars film that's coming out. We have Dave Hill, who I believe is the uh, producer. And we have Trent, and I can't remember his surname, and it's just flicked off the screen because we're so unprofessional who was also a director and producer. Well done, Probably Martin. got that wrong, but they yeah. were important. There we go. We'll yeah, we're, go not edit, we're not editing that out. Dave, Trenton, are you there? Hey, guys, how are you going? Yeah, well, we're fine, other than, I think, Martin giving you the wrong job, job title. Yeah, yeah. I just gave you yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, it's all, all right. the same, right? This is, this is <laughs> Flying Cars, the Freaky Friday edition, Thank where Dave and I swap bodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, well, straight away, I don't know which one he was. Is um, thanks very much. Um, we've all seen the film. Um, I think it's being released. Is it today? Tomorrow? It's tomorrow. It's a bit today. Yeah, tomorrow for us here in the United States. Right. We okay. are. It is at the time of this recording. It is Monday, two in the afternoon, and it's a nice, partly cloudy day. <laughs> and we're excited for this movie to be out tomorrow. Brilliant. And let's get straight into the thing. Of where can people actually get hold of it? Uh, flying cars will be available everywhere uh, tomorrow. Everywhere. When I say everywhere, I guess I should say worldwide, 63 countries. So don't be disheartened if you hear this podcast and think just because you live in, don't live in North America, you might not see it. The film will be available on Apple iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. Right, okay. And I think by the time we get it out, it will be. By the time people listen to this, it will be available Um uh, I'm going to say most of our guys are British, but there's uh, quite a few Americans and a few other guys. Amazing. Yeah, you know, hopefully it's available in the Channel Island um, because <laughs> the guys in Jersey really like us, the guys in Guernsey, not so much. Um, so, <laughs> Dave, Dave um, I say we've seen it. So, the first question for me is Have you always been into RC cars? Um, yeah, I, I can give you a little backstory um, of my, my RC car history. Um, I grew up in Southern California. I still live in Los Angeles. So, um, my, my dad used to do RC airplanes growing up and there was always like a balsa wood kit on the table. He was pinning together and finishing, I feel like for the first like eight years of my life. And so we were kind of always in the world of like radios, transmitters, receivers, servos, like that was just kind of, I knew all about that stuff. Um, but my first kind of intro into RC cars was probably the age of 10 or so. My cousin had one that was pretty cool. And I remember thinking like, wow, like that's, I've never seen like an RC car, like with the servos and everything inside of it. So I asked for one for Christmas. My dad got me the, uh, 
the Sears brand Lobo. It was a terrible car. Like he did not give me what I wanted. And so my brother and I had these little Sears cars and they were like, kind of like the one in the film, like almost identical actually. Um, and after having those for a couple of years, we, we saved our own money up from Christmas and birthdays and stuff and bought our first real kits. Um, my first car was the, uh, the Tamiya stadium blitzer. My brother got the Tamiya Blackfoot. So, um, we, we beat those cars up pretty good in our front yard for, you know, the next couple of years, modify them, play with them, just kind of hobbyists, you know, and also we, we had the RC car action magazine. So I was well aware from the beginning of the racing circuit, just everything that was out there, but it felt very far from us, you know, just being kids without the internet back then. So, um, I got older and got a low C car. Finally, like a couple of years later, I got the low C LXT. My brother got the Nitro Hawk, Traxxas Nitro Hawk with the awesome blue anodized shocks. Um, and we did those a little more aggressively, did bigger jumps in the front yard and stuff. But by the time I was in high school, I was kind of done with it. Um, you know, girls and sports and cars were a lot more exciting. So <laughs> I took a break for probably about eight years. Um, and then after college, you know, when life kind of settles down again, you're kind of alone and bored and like, it's like, what, what sounds fun? RC cars sound fun. So my brother and I got tracks as rustlers, um, probably around wow. 2002 or something kind of right when they came out 2003 and that was like our first car we'd both gotten in almost a decade and we got them for christmas it was kind of a, just a fun random thing to do and we got super into them and ended up modifying with brushless motors and we started building a bunch of big jumps for them so we built a four foot and a six foot um jump probably around 2006 or seven and did a bunch of filming with gopros and at that time i was kind of getting more into the filmmaking photography side of things professionally and so I was like, as a hobby, thought it'd be fun to like more cinema, cinema, cinematography style and like uh, just kind of more of a cinema style to, to RC car jumping. And so we did slow motion. We were really trying to like make these shots look pretty cool and land those cars like pretty well. So um, did, you, did you sort of move from that kind of enjoying that part of RC into, into RC racing at all? No, never. So the thing is like, I, I wrote, I was going to make a feature film about this big adventure thing and it never happened. It was too expensive. I tried to raise money for it. It never happened. So I thought, you know, well, what can I do that like something I could get done myself here in Southern California that was just kind of more close to my heart. And at the time I, I still had my wrestler and I was just like, you know, what, what if I did an RC car movie? That was my first thought. And so I wrote this without ever been to an RC car race in my entire life. Like I just wrote the whole thing. And once I got like in the, in the mode of like, well, I got to like showcase what I'm trying to do here. I decided to make a little like pitch video. And that was the first time I ever showed up to RC car track. I just rolled up with a camera one day. I just started, started filming stuff and talking to people. I'm kind of doing some research. So I had never been part of the racing circuit scene or anything until this movie came out, which is interesting because I've been a part of RC cars my whole life, but more from the outside, like very hobbyist side, not like the more professional racing side. Because, you know, I didn't really want to start talking straight about the film, but what you raised there is, the, the, you know, the film takes place at RC car racing venues, but it's not actually uh, like a, that's not the main part of his journey in RC, is it? It's not really racing, but it seems it's closer to what you were doing with your brother. Yeah, I think so. It's an interesting point I haven't thought about, but. Yeah, it's like, I guess for me, racing was always intriguing, but like it never captured my heart. Like, is it, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, for me, it was always about like building jumps and kind of just being with a couple of friends out in the middle of like fields and stuff, you know, um, as opposed to like the, the racing and the, the upgrades and all that stuff, um, which always seemed a little overwhelming to me. 
So yeah, even in the film, like you said, like I, I thought at first, like, what if I made like a, a rad type movie, you know, like the old eighties movie, the BMX, kind of, <laughs> like, you know, the whole thing is like the racing, you know, and then a, I think it would have cost too much and it'd be too hard to show that much racing and that much like particular scenes happening. That was like half the challenge for me getting those shots with like no budget. So I think I, yeah, naturally I was like, well, I'll just make him more of a guy who like was intrigued by it, but kind of honestly finds his niche more in the, the kind of bashing jumping world. Um, and that was always a little more intriguing to me anyway, I think. So, so that's yeah, I kind of want to show all the, the what? Go on, go on. Oh, no, I just, I, say, I think I kind of wanted to show a little bit of both those worlds. Um, but what are you going to say? Well, that's, that's quite scary because in my, in my, I watched film and in my notes, one of the things I wrote down that really, I really liked is it is like, it is my new rad. I mean, I watched that film so much as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like over and over and over. Um, and this is kind of like my adult rad. And so, you know, nice. you, you've done something there that you may not realize, because I think people my age being old in my 40s, um, it's kind of recaptured that. It's not That's as awesome. cheesy as rad, which is cool, because rad was like king cheese. But um, it's that kind of same go back and watch it film like Brad was in, in that's the That's great to hear. So that's definitely um, yeah, it was that's one of the things I wrote down. And for you to go and say it, I thought oh, that's that's quite funny. Yeah, well, it's like you know, I I did have thoughts of like, yeah, you know, I wish this was just like a modern rad. It's just it was a budget thing. Half of it was just a budget thing, and like to do races that are that particular and like have all the shots line up and like the actual action like have to be scripted out. I just, I probably couldn't have pulled it off with this budget. So I kind of had to be efficient and be like, I want to introduce people to the world, but not make it all about those big crowd scenes, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's cool. You picked that up. So nah, it's cool. Uh, I, I felt immediately at home, even though I've never been to hot rod hobbies or what I can't remember the other one was called, you know, these are the tracks that we see pictures of and we see events from and there's Facebook pictures. And then even for guys who, it's, it's a long running joke, they've only ever been to America once for four days, but I never shut up about it. Um, <laughs> but so You've we know. People, yeah. Did, did you used to live there once? I don't know. We won't, we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> Not good, huh? Oh, oh yes, we will, Martin. Martin, we will definitely talk about it. Um, so we actually recognise the names as you're scanning through. Oh, so this this is why I want to ask this question. When did you actually film it? Uh, yeah, a long time ago, 2016. Yeah, um, near the end of 2016. Yeah, I mean, like, I was going to say, probably there half of them. <laughs> we had a whole we had a whole different president when we made this movie. You know, <laughs> I was going to say it's quite. It right. must have been. Uh, it must have been filmed a while ago because Ty Tessman's still wearing a hot bodies T-shirt, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we we shot with the RC, um, the RC eight, the B two, you know, like so. It was uh, it's been a while. Yeah, it took a while to get this movie finished and out the door and distributed longer than I ever thought it was going to take. So, so, so yeah. So I was going to say the same thing as Joey was. I recognized Gord Tessman, one of the big RC racers' dad, and I'm going. He doesn't wear that hat anymore. He's got a different hat. And then I'm going to have to mention this nice and early that in one of the sections, this is definitely no spoiler, in one of the sections, you sort of the later race bit, you know, a, a guy I know, a guy I did race to in that one time I went to America for four days, um, he actually wins his race. So I'm not, he, he saw that he was in the trailer and a guy's called Hunter King. And he was just, he thought he'd been cut. 
So I'm going to spoil it for him that you didn't cut that one half second shot off with Hunter King doing the best acting I've ever seen. Oh, he's, he's still in it then, huh? Wait, wait, yeah, which, yeah. Which, which, is he? which guy is it? Which race? Is he, uh, is he, the, is he the guy that turns around and like grabs yes. his chest? And he, yes. And he's like yes. shocked. Yeah. Yes. That's oh, amazing. the young guy. That's the amazing. younger guy. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we recognize as races that, you know, we recognize the names. We see the faces of people we know from the internet. We see the, you know, obviously it's a proper racetrack. So all the banners are right. And then did you, if you say racing wasn't really, uh, RC racing was a big thing. You know, some of the details in the background, the other bits I noticed, I'm going, oh, hang on, they've, they've got a Spencer Rivkin poster there. Um, <laughs> I think it was in somebody's bedroom, and I'm going, oh, that's, that's, I'm not funny. Except I'm a 44 year old man. That's the poster I would have had. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, did you bring in anyone special to do sort of that RC racing things? How big is your team? No, I mean, we had production designers, they weren't from the RC world or anything. So, our, you know, our team is maybe 10 people on set every day, something like that. Um, give or take a little bit, depending on the scene. But we, we got a bunch of stuff from so Team Associated really helped us out on this with product and like all that stuff. So we, they gave us all the cars, all the batteries, um, chargers. We got uh, posters, banners, all that kind of stuff from them. So like whenever we had like a scene like that, you know, we gave our production designers the extra stuff from Associated. They just kind of went to town with it. Um, but I, I'm proud to say I put that Spencer poster up myself. So oh, um, <laughs> I, I was I was a little responsible for that girl's room. That was that was kind of fun actually. So I was like, how would this girl <laughs> just like not give a shit and just decorate a room like randomly with this stuff? So yeah, that was fun. Right. So I think that was the bit that came through, even though it's difficult to explain without spoilers. But you know, RC racing is in that. This RC is through the film. RC racing is through the film, but it's separate from like the story, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, all the RC racing bits or any of the technical things that I mentioned, you know, are all really spot on. That was the bit I thought you must have got sort of an expert in. Oh, um, I mean, I, I think I understand it enough to like be able to kind of like know when it's false, you know. Um, okay. I might not understand all the minutiae of how the racing circuit works and stuff, but you know, in terms of talking about the cars, the parts, fixing stuff. Um, you know, what some of the bigger challenges would be to a, a guy starting racing um, was kind of like for me, I could easily imagine it because that was the same stuff I would have struggled with and did struggle with. I, I did a couple of test races before I shot it. And it was it was brutal, man. Like I had a little low C, uh, the 22, like the first one. And uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to get a buggy and get back into like super old school 10 scale two wheel drive buggies. And oh, it was so hard. Like I was at the hot rod track <laughs> practicing and like I gave up. I was just I broke it. I. It was, a, it was hard. It was really hard. And so I just kind of put some of that same feeling into the film and how he'd feel, you know. Okay. Um, and I'm going to say, you've, you've been really busy. I think you've been on, this is not the first podcast you've done. This will not be the first podcast you'll, the last one you'll do. Um, have you found the response generally positive? Yeah, actually, overwhelmingly, um, I think some of our comments, you know, the last couple of years, because we put this trailer out, gosh, three years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. So we've seen ups and downs in the comments that people just like, oh, this looks like crap or this looks this and that, you know. So I was kind of expecting a lot of that. But the podcasts have been very generous, you know, at least um, for the most part. Trenton, wouldn't you agree, I think? that. Yeah, think- you know, I mean, I think like taking taking that cue from the teaser trailer aspect, we we on purpose released a teaser trailer with just music. 
And we just wanted to kind of tease this whole concept of the film and save all the surprises for when people watch. And so even then, you know, you're going to get a few loose comments or I guess I should say loose cannon type comments um, coming out of the woodwork. But what's been really nice is some of those people have circled back and said, you know, oh my gosh, like I was able to screen this early on or I, I went to the premiere last summer at, at the Chinese theater and this is nothing like I thought it would be. And this is actually really great. And, you know, I think people will realize that we're not, by making this film, we're not necessarily saying we know everything about this world by by any stretch. We're just making a film that, that touches on this world. And we tell one singular story that could be a million versions of anyone's story, you know, in relation to this world. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I, I, if it hasn't come out already, I, I, I watched it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I was talking to Martin before and said, you know, I watched the first 10 minutes and then emailed you and said, you've made a film about my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Now, I'm not a 26-year-old wannabe film director in LA. <laughs> um, maybe you, you know, were for those four days, though. But... Yeah, maybe. Maybe I was. Ask Hunter. Um, um, but... You, you, you caught. I, that's just that's just the life of, you know. That's eighty percent of every RC person's life. As a grown married man, I suppose, you know, it, it, we're not doing anything bad, but sometimes we feel like we have to hide in away from people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like a silly thing. Like imagine, like you're just a dude in the office, you know, and everyone's got their random hobbies, like. I don't know what what it is about being a grown man in a workplace, but like you, it's like you don't really. It's you kind of want to be cautious about it. I, what is that? That's weird. But I'm already feeling the same way. You know, I had jobs and stuff, and I had my RC car, and I would do it at lunch. A lot of times, I would take it at lunch and like do it, but I would never tell anybody. It'd be like hidden in my back trunk, you know. Um, <laughs> it's just a weird thing. Yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna ask this one question, and maybe the others can, can join in. But one of the things. Um, I really uh, said to somebody else, this is uh, this is like a, the best advert for RC, um, but maybe I still wouldn't show my wife the film. <laughs> uh, only because she's then realised that she'd just go, that's you. She'd sit there See, and go, that's, that's you. See, now, I, when, when we first got told that we were going to get um, sent a, a, a copy so we could sort of watch it, do our homework, and have have ready for you guys to come on. My girlfriend was more interested in, like, the the love affair or the love drama than she was the car racing. There you go. Yeah. We wanted, so we wanted to there, give... So we for wanted everyone. to offer that. Yeah. You know, we thought there's a version where we just make a movie toward, geared towards just, you know, dudes, to put it kind of, like, in such a harsh way, but... That's not. We wanted to be sure there's something for your girlfriend or wife or fiance to sit, you know, sit with you with and and watch it. That was one of our goals. And and I think that's maybe why you you might have had some loose cannon, I think your words, comments. Because mm-hmm. if you think of the the films that we've had, there's a, a guy Corey Drachenberg who like does feature length race films. You know, and mm-hmm. spent years doing those. That's what we've sort of had to have. And this is, uh, you used you think you used to spoke about the film Brad. I think it, it's a bit like BMX, kind of a bit like BMX Bandit. So am I aging myself too much? You know, it, it, it's a, a film that people who don't have any connection to RC hopefully will watch and see as just a film. 
And then in some ways, if you're not into that, it might just be in the background. They might just, they, they could probably, if you weren't into the hobby like we are, you might watch that film and not see anything in the background at all. You might just forget all those bits. Just a great film. Totally. Well, thanks. Yeah, I think the goal is like you can kind of like replace RC cars with anything, you know, and tell the same story. Um, but I think just think as a filmmaker, to like get a chance as a filmmaker to like say something about my my little close passions that I have so Brilliant. I'm glad that came through um, so um, you, okay I love it when stories start with me I've had a bit of experience on a film set in the last year or two because I was on the set of um, HBO's Watchmen when it was over oh, in yeah. Wales the new you one know, yeah um, it's slightly related to RC cars but not um, we were and I'm not funny that had Jeremy Irons in and there was like a cast of thousands and you know 14 different places to get a latte and get fed and helicopters <laughs> arriving and flying off is that what it was like is, is that have you, so have you made what other stuff have you done how does this rank with sort of that Oh, oh gosh. Well, um, for me, I guess we have a little different stories. Um, I'm a commercial photographer and director. So, you know, I do um, mostly automotive stuff. Um, and yeah, we have some pretty big crews, you know, like we're up to 60 or 70 in a day for the bigger ones. And it feels way more like that where you got PAs and lattes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but with independent film like this, it's like it's a very different process. It's self-funded. Um, there's no corporate money involved. So you kind of just you just you pay for exactly what you think you need and there's no frill or fruit for anything. It's like coming out of my bank account. So it was like, unless you need to be here, you're not going to be here. Um, you know, so it's like 10 people, you know, you might have your cast, hair, makeup, wardrobe, uh, the DP runs the camera department, maybe his assistant producer or two, and maybe an extra or two, you know, that's kind of it. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty small footprint. Um, yeah. Um, you really try to, scale it down in the in that situation um one joke one joke we have as we look at budgets and, and plan this thing is like oh man that's that's one more mouth to feed during, during you know while you're standing around all day <laughs> that's one more person that needs a breakfast burrito and a coffee and a lunch <laughs> so well, sometimes we do think that way you know especially when it's coming out of our pocket <laughs> so a, a, a watchman there was like it was on a big castle and so there was there was like Wow. 10 taxis just lined up in cases you wanted to go from <laughs> where the filming was to wow. where the film yeah. was. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's... Yeah. I met Jeremy Hines' dog, Smudge. You know, literally, <laughs> his dog, Smudge, had their own car. <laughs> Smudge. Smudge the dog. Yeah. It really... Uh... Man, it really can get ridiculous, but kind of in the best of ways, you know, when you have that much money to make a movie. I've I've spent a few years in the studio system prior to meeting Dave, and some of our movie budgets were upwards of $250 million, you know, just to shoot and, and post a film. And uh, we were, I don't know if we, I don't even know if we were 1% of that budget, like looking at no. playing cards. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, scaled way down, scaled very down. We were... We were an eighth scale movie. Oh, that's a great, great play of words. <laughs> we were a hundred, hundred scale. We were a hundred scale movie, um, movie size. Uh, but, this is our yeah, you know, yeah, 
but you know, some of that, some of that experience helps. I mean, one, one special thing that's kind of nice for us is that we found each other in Hollywood. We were both filmmakers on different journeys. We had a lot of mutual friends and it was nice to bring our resourcefulness to the table in our different ways with different connections. Um, I, I'd come out of working with Marvel Studios for seven years and actually had kind of kept my studio job while we were making flying cars. And so there was a lot of hustle in that respect as I was sort of slowly transitioning out of those higher studio budget films. And then Dave came from this commercial um, photography world where he knew just these jack of all trades types people. And we met in the middle on that with our development, with the way that we shaped up the script, with the way that you know we shot everything on set through post. I mean, we there's so much joy that goes into this. It, it did take almost four years, I guess, to put it out to the world. But at the same time, there's the rewards you reap are so much higher because instead of being one crew member amongst a thousand making a movie, there's really only about 20 people here that got together and made this movie. So you, you feel that exponentially, it, you know, in your body, like way more better when the movie comes out and people are reacting. It's, it's that much more exciting. Right. It give you more of a, if there's more of the film for you actually to say, I did that. That was my bit. I, I told Dave. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For, for better or worse, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. One question my wife wanted me to ask, because she sat and watched the film with me. She thought it was great. <clears throat> really enjoyed it. Um, is there going to be a sequel? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I mean, it, it was, we were talking before about this. Um, you know, like, if, if there was money there, like, yes. I don't think I would push ahead and, like, try to raise the money myself for that but if someone was like i see a vision for it you guys need to do this like i'll help you along then like i'm definitely not opposed to it um i, I thought about yeah. where the story would go it'd be uh it'd be interesting like yeah i could see i could see a fun angle uh using the kid that gets the car at the end of the movie you know maybe maybe tracking with a, a next generation or younger generation um you know maybe pop in with with drew and rachel a little bit through that or something have a cameo yeah, yeah. but um yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, there's plenty of opportunity. Uh, we've talked about, you know, I think that like this, this is our experiment is, you know, put this movie out. We we grappled with distribution and, and found a, a clear, fast way to just get it to these platforms. And we are, we're standing by for these comments. I mean, like we're going to be, we're actually going to be hosting some Facebook live events uh, over the coming weeks um, while quarantine is still, you know, happening. And just sort of like interact with everyone and, and, and hopefully people will jump into those conversations with us and just like you guys are, and, you know, just ask us these questions. So by all means, like we're open to the journey continuing. Um, and I think a lot of that will rely on how this first, you know, release goes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Were, were the, um, did you get to kind of, obviously you didn't pick the, uh, the actors, but were they kind of, when you explain to them what you were doing, do you get kind of that look of like, uh, wow, is this what we're doing? Or were they straight into it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, um, they all faked like they were into it, at least, you know. Yeah. But I, I think I think you had to know. Just like I'm hiding the car during lunchtime, I kind of like was embarrassed to talk to anybody about this who wasn't like my immediate friend, you know, like we're hiring <laughs> a casting director. It's like we're making a movie about RC cars. Now, she has to explain that to all the cast as we're casting them. It's like. I think we all did just buy into it, you know, and for sure, like it was like a thing where I had to like let the guys and the actor and the actress like try the cars out and like get a handle on like how they feel. And like, I wanted them to kind of like fall in love with the cars a little bit too, you know? Um, and I think we were like successful in that, but like nobody had experience RC cars on the entire cast side of things. 
So it was like, yeah, it was, you know, I think they're for sure skeptical. Like, I'm sure they were like, great movie. We want to be part of it because the story and we want the work and all that kind of stuff. But I think a little bit their their hesitation was like, RC cars, like that sounds dorky, you know. But I think by the end of it, they (laughs) understood a lot more. I mean, they got to go to all these races too and like be a part of it. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think I think I think everyone's got. I mean, like Trenton too. Like he was in the same boat. I think everyone's got a different appreciation now of the industry. And yeah, yes, it's not a silly kids toy. You know, it's like an entirely different thing. It was really lucky timing with our casting. Sorry, real quick to to mention about our casting. Uh, Jeremy Schwitze, who plays Drew, this was. We had found him uh, through our casting director and kind of looking online and seeing who fits this age range, who fits this dynamic. But we were able to offer Jeremy his first lead role in a feature film. He had he had done some amazing work prior to our show, but he was a supporting role or a guest spot, you know, on shows like Man in the High Castle with Amazon or or he was on Once Upon a Time with ABC. But this was really fun for him, too. Uh, and we were pretty sure we're going to be able to get him on a Facebook Live episode in the next couple of weeks. So that he can also experience this kind of, you know, uh, fandom or fandom about the RC car movie in of itself, not the fandom over, you know, us or him. But we would love for him to actually see how excited like people who race these cars are, you know, about the film and what he did. What I wanted to say, uh, you were obviously you filmed it live at a race meeting. I think it was a JBRL round, I believe. Yeah, we had a couple of different JBRL rounds. Yeah, J- Jimmy Babcock Racing League rounds. Yeah. How did the what what how did the 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 full time racers sort of take to it, as it were? How did they feel with you, know, you lot running around with cameras and gimbals and <laughs> the, uh, this well, guy who this guy who clearly I'm, can't drive an RC car? And I'm proud we didn't use any gimbals. It's all handheld. Um, uh, let's see. So. You know, it was a challenge because, like, you know, Jimmy was awesome, and he gave us a lot of access to his track. He he runs owns Hot Rod Hobbies and the whole league pretty much, and his story is pretty awesome on itself. But um, he was like, you know, do what you want to do, but, like, we have to be racing. And, like, a couple of the events, he could give us, like, 30 minutes in between heats or something, you know, um, for us to run back out on the track and, like, shoot a couple, like, laps with our own cars. So it was really stressful. We never had, like... You know, if we did on like a, a big budget movie, we would have had a bunch of extras and like actors and like just done the whole thing fake and shoot all of it ourselves how we wanted to, but we couldn't do that. And everybody was like in the race mode, you know, so they're there to win it and they appreciate that we're doing a film, but only to a certain extent because they have to get their job done. So yeah, it was super stressful, like going back and forth, like on the track for ten minutes and back off the track, on the track, off the track. And a couple of times we were taking a little extra time and you could tell Jimmy and people were kinda of like, All right, guys, like you're holding up the race, you know. Um <laughs> So it was a push and pull. I, I totally get what, you know, they were, I mean, they thought the movie was cool, but they still had their, their work to do. So, yeah, that was like the most stressful part of those race days, just trying to be in that crowd and make it real, but also respect them and give them the time they needed. So, mm. You see, Joey asked that question because he's a massive diva at race meetings. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't no, know it's about true that. though. You don't want people in the way, getting in your way and stuff. You're like concentrating. If there's a camera in your way, like when you're up there in the podium and you're racing, like if some guy's like doing camera moves next to you, that can be distracting. So um, we had to kind of, you know, be super cautious of that. And, and just because we we found out at the beginning um, how long ago this was actually filmed, you know, what are these guys doing now? Uh, with actors or? 
no, no, what are you two doing now? Are you, are you making another ah. film? Are you working on different things? Huh. Uh, you know, other long story. Um, from my point of view, I've just had a ton of commercial work um, since then. So my directing stuff's really picked up a lot and I've been just doing a ton of directing on the commercial side of things. Um, we wrote a kid's show. We pitched that. It didn't pan out. Um, and we're developing a couple more features right now, but nothing is like actually taken off at this point. But I might be forgetting things. Well, we're just, uh, we're in this world where, you know, now it's like you're only as relevant as like your, you know, most recent project. So for us, this is like, it's so funny. We shot it four years ago, but now this is suddenly extremely current for us again. And we're just riding the wave of this release. We, uh, there's a fun Easter egg in our film called Desert Friends. I don't know if you guys caught on, but there's this, this, our lead character Drew in the film has a best friend who has a contrasting life experience. He's, he's getting his dream greenlit and he's off to make a TV show. And this kind of, you know, bothers our, our lead character a little bit, but that show Desert Friends is another creation of, of Dave where, uh, you can find on Instagram. It's just some fun lo-fi sci-fi comedy, uh, at Desert Friends at Instagram. So we, we decided to put an Easter egg in the movie of a previous project that <laughs> we, we pitch around every so often to see if, see if there'd be any, you know, maybe some mi magical mysticism can happen with, uh, putting that Easter egg in our film, but that's one of our ideas. We, uh, yeah, like Dave mentioned, we're we're wanting to do another feature right away, and and actually, we talked about flying cars being in a hundredth of a scale. This this next feature might even be a hundred and twentieth or something. I don't know. It might even be an even smaller, more focused um, endeavor, especially because of the way coronavirus is changing rules for film sets, which obviously could be its own podcast at this point. But the the, the you know going back to what Adian was mentioning about taxis and castles and thousands of extras. I mean, the reality for us right now is that our, our industry is on a freeze and then it's when it bounces back, it's gonna change drastically. So for us uh, to grab a camera and a couple actors and go out into the desert and uh, maybe tell another story, that's, that's probably what's gonna happen next before the end of this year or by early next year. Would it be something like, instead of a, a film, you do something like a Netflix series or an Amazon series or, or is it just mainly oh, films that you kind of focus around and yeah, well, I mean, films kind of, is where we got two thoughts to it. Right. I mean, there's like, there's like two thoughts True. to that. I mean, this is, again, it's our podcast, but like with Netflix and stuff, it's more of like you, you pitch something, you package something and then you get it like picked up by somebody who like helps you produce. Cause it's, you know, it's so many episodes. You can't like really do that on your own. The beauty mm. of a feature film is like, it's something that like you can tackle on your own in theory and like package it and like sell it and get it somewhere on your own. But I feel like TV is never like, it's not that kind of model, you know? Um, you can make a pilot and try to pitch that around, but it's just not quite as beneficial, I think, at least for me, as making an entire feature that's just like its own thing. So mm -hmm. from a DIY standpoint, to me, the feature thing is, is more exciting. Okay. Yeah, I, I was thinking that rather than making a Flying Cars 2, you just make sure you put RC cars in the back of all your films. Oh, yeah. You know, I think you mentioned <laughs> oh, totally. Marvel and Disney. You know, I'm not being funny. We'll just have the next Marvel film. And, there you go. You know, and just in the background, you know, the Winter <laughs> Soldier comes out and just goes, hang on, I'm just checking me right out. Once I get that done, <laughs> you know, I yeah. find using my robotic arm is really consistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, love, we definitely kind of need, yeah. We've joked about that and like that's yeah, I would we would love to have, have that sneaky sneaky in there somewhere. Um but I think what you said was regarding how to film and not just 
making films and distribution has changed. You know, I, I can remember back um, before you let it go. I'll just say you know, I can remember back to that. You know, we spent four days on a set and were used for two minutes. Yeah, and they paid yeah. four fellas a hundred and two hundred dollars a day to just sit there in case we were needed. <laughs> um, it is, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I couldn't, you know, the, the amount of decaf oat milk lattes I drank in four <laughs> days was just unbelievable. It was really good, guys. Um, Thanks for having me on. Before we let you go, can you just remind us where we can um, we can see this film and how do we get hold of it? Absolutely. So Flying Cars will be out Tuesday, May 19th. By the time most people hear this, that means today, right now, you can go to Apple iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and don't be shy about where you live. This, this film's available in 63 countries, so we couldn't have asked for a, a better release for this movie. And honestly, all we ask is that you uh, watch the film, but if you do, uh, it would be awesome if you could go rate it, um, click on some stars for us wherever you found the film, write a review, and find us on Facebook, Flying Cars Film, or Instagram, Flying Cars Film as well. And we are going to be active, and we'd love to interact with you, and we hope we can see you guys online and meet you, meet more of these people, these awesome people. No, that, that's brilliant, Ed. Um, no, clearly, we're all big fans. Um, yeah. A few people, yeah, a few people have messaged me and said questions like, "Oh, I didn't like the trailer," and I've gone, it, it, "It's just a good film. I, it, it's just a film, and it's got our scene." And I think it, it I, I enjoyed it, and I think people like RC should just watch it anyway. You should literally buy it and watch it anyway because this could be the best thing that anyone's ever going to see RC in the background. Like. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it is. That's fun. We're, we're really glad cool. to hear it. Heck yeah, it's awesome. It, it is awesome. I mean, it's like I said, it's the new rad. Just think of it that way. And you think <laughs> people still turn up to like gatherings of that film and the actors still go and discuss it. What's that, 30, 40 years ago? Yep, they totally do. It, it's crazy. <laughs> and, and of course, I love the film because I'm surprised one of these idiots I have to deal with hasn't mentioned it yet. It was all filmed in Southern California, so I saw a lot of places I used to live, so it was quite cool. Good old SoCal. Yeah, loved it. Dry grass. (laughs) Dry grass, hills, but yeah, it was was good. Cheers. Uh, Dave, Trenton, thank you very much for your time. Um, Thanks for making this thing, and hopefully we'll catch up with yourself on here. Uh, on one of the other podcasts, on a Facebook Live or something that you'll do, um, and we'll chat. And say we, we we all really enjoyed the film. We think everyone should get involved. Okay, guys, thanks very much. Cool. All right. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate thank you. It. Cheers. Thank you very Bye much. now. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Well, that was great speaking to Dave and Trenton. Um, though we've had a slightly longer break trying to figure out why we can't share Martin Owen's post. So, who knows? Go. Who knows? Um, well, what we should probably talk about is there is we since we last came on, there was a, an update from the BRCA regarding tracks and what it looks like now. Maybe we can have a chat about that. Um, I can bore people with what Southport might be thinking, uh, and that's probably the only thing we'll do once we do that. 
a few other little things, and then we're done. Does that sound okay, guys? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm trying to go first. Go for it. Well, um, what I will also say is, once you've listened to this, maybe if you haven't um, seen Tony Evdoka's video, which he did on Sunday, and get me days confused because it's Monday now, um, he did... Um, he, he sort of chatted through, he, you know, he read what he read into the rules and what could happen and how racing may look in the future. Um, and I think there was a, a pretty decent discussion there regarding, you know, what Tony's view was, what other people's view, and we a bit was worked on there, I thought. And I think we should probably do a bit more of that because, you know, I don't know what, you know, other clubs have opened for practice, Southport hasn't, and probably won't for won't be this week, next week, won't be until we have another change in rules. Um, but, you know, other people are in different situations, so I thought if you're listening to this and you haven't, if you weren't involved in the Tony of Doka Facebook Live, go and find that. Um, the, the rules that I read from the BRCA is that there's no problem with social... No, I've got to get this right. Is um, socially distant practice for... Is, is only one household allowed, or are there two households as long as they stay apart from each other? It's it's two two people, right? So from separate or two from the same, right? Okay, so so you so you you could go and I could go, or you could go and Thomas, your wife, your and your son could go. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's it. Right, okay. Um. Is is how I'm how I'm seeing it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think Tony talks about that. Whether it was two people, I think it's if you're all in the same household. So if you if the if the littles being the biggest family I can think of, racing. If the littles wanted to go, and there's like five of them, they'd be all right because they're in the same household. But if well, you I, just went and I just went, I think that would also be fine. I, I'm I'm sure it's still only two from each. Yeah, Tony said that, but. So that doesn't make much sense to me, but I think that's part of the discussion. Um, I think for Southport, this doesn't help us open. Um, you know, I've spent the last three years doing podcasts, 18 months of doing this, that saying Southport is in a public park. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even a thing to say, if you're stood on our rostrum, you're not six you know, six foot or two metres from members of the public just walking past. Um, so I think that's what Southport is going to struggle with. You know, there is literally a path, you know, through the busiest park in Southport in the middle of the town when people have got, there's no shops or restaurants to go into. All they can do is walk up and down the park towards the beach. Then I think we're going to struggle with that. Anybody could walk pass, touch our gates, do all those things. So Southport's probably gonna be well we're not gonna we're not opening for any sort of booked practice like some tracks are doing. I don't think those tracks are doing it wrong. I just it's not right for Southport. Um I think the tracks are doing it are the ones I know, Bingham, um A one. Yeah. Um and then did someone else say something tonight? Um, I think one of the others. I don't know whether what the eighth guys are doing, but you know these tracks better than I do, Joe. I think we should have been a Bingham last weekend with an Opal. I don't know. Um, those tracks seem to be 
kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Bingham's um, it's on a private, uh, the back of a private farm. Um, I think also that the, the uh, railway guys have some access to that area as well, if I remember. But generally, so, yeah, if, you're, if you're at Bingham, that's the only reason you go down that, through that gate. Yeah, I, I, I don't know of any, I think, yeah, it's only only the farmer and probably his kids or whatnot because they probably have access to that field on a regular basis. So, so that seems you know that seems the exact opposite of Southport. Well, so, yes, like 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 you said, you 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 guys at Southport have got to compete with the general public, and obviously, if if some someone who's decided to go for their daily exercise or whatever is spread germs or lick the fucking rostrum for some bizarre reason, or you know the generally touch stuff that you guys at the track have then got to touch. You don't know what's going on. No, so I don't, I don't think it's right. And I don't, also, I think it's Southport. One of the things that the BRCA mentioned it, Darren Newton mentioned it, and I think it's Facebook Live, um, that there seems to have been some pressure. You know, people might be messaging clubs to see whether they're open. We've had none of that at Southport. <laughs> No, and uh, Martin, have you yeah, heard of any of that in your region? Mm, not really. No, no. It's one of it's one of those things, though. I, 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 again, I understand people are getting itchy and they don't want to be inside all the time. They want to do things, and but yeah, if you if you're applying a pressure to say like Kidderminster or someone to say look. Just open the gate and let me go in. You're not doing anyone any favors. No. You're gonna. No. You're gonna. If 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 anything, you're gonna deter them away from bothering to open up. Yeah. Do you know what? That's a really good point. Yeah. If someone annoyed me, yeah. I, I never mind if they annoyed me. I think this guy's an idiot. So I clearly don't want him anywhere near my track. Yeah. Um. But you know, I spoke briefly to Daniel Austin just from Facebook messages, um, who went to A1 over the weekend. I think that's where Bingham. No, he went to Bingham. I went to Bingham. Um, And I'm like, well, did you enjoy it? Or did it make you feel sad that you couldn't do this every week or you couldn't go racing? And he said he really, really enjoyed it. um, And he's looking forward to go back and doing some more practice. Um, And I think that's a, that, that's, that's, I think that's what we've got to we don't have to go and practice As a wise old man said to me you know the season's over you're not going to learn anything but I think if that's what you want to do then I, think, I think it's right that some clubs open and we see how it goes because if, if and I'm sure it will go be fine for Bingham and A1 if, if, if they come back in two weeks down and say no, I'm not being funny the booking systems work this has been fine no one's had any issues, no one's turned up at the wrong time, then that might let, allow other tracks, not Southport, try and do the same if they're in a similar position. I think it's 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 the 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 general set of you know rule changes and stuff that came out from the government last week were a bit I think a lot of people are still slightly confused as to what is meant to be. Um don't say that, people. Don't say that, Joe. Some people say it was dead straightforward. Yeah, that was, get really upset. As I said earlier, we as as 
people as a as a, a general are all morons. <laughs> we are. You know, we all we've, agree with that. For the last for the last month or so, everybody has majorly struggled to follow basic things. So you you know. They've seen they've seen a slight change in it. They've interpreted it the way they've done it, and off they pop. So, I agree with that. I broke the rules. I had to go and buy a car, and it wasn't easy to do. But I needed a car. What do you do? Yeah, if, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think if and you, you could just... argue, what do you need a car for? Just can't go anywhere. But it, you know. So it's what it is. I suppose. I suppose in in, in your case, in your case though, that you know, obviously your son's at home because he's not at school. Your <laughs> wife's at work because she's classed as a key worker. If you've got to do an emergency run, say like you've got to go and help your mum, or Ethan's got to pop off to the hospital or something, you you need that that vehicle available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, so I, still. It's still it's, not a necessary item to go and buy during lockdown. So. No, but it's. I think it's a little bit more justified than driving to the seaside because you're bored. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. oh, there was, I mean. There was a lov- lovely lady on the news today, wasn't there, who said they'd driven an hour and a half to the beach um, and then said, but they were really upset because lots of people had driven to the beach and it was a bit busy. And the lady's like, "Well, you did. Why couldn't they?" Yeah, but um, that's the thing. They've they, they've allowed now people to go out for a whole day of exercise, and that there's no restrictions to 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 travel. But, but I think the I think what they have to do is not that they no, take any notice of me. They have to sort of say that so some people will go, and then we'll sort of make it. People will feel better, and gradually we have to we have to go back to normal. I don't think we should all rush out, but we have to sort of start to go out. And if we do go out, like when, I'm sure when Martin bought his car, he wasn't hugging the man he bought it off, rubbing his crotch with his money and handing it over. Well, he did. He knocked a couple hundred quid off for doing. Is that because you rubbed his crotch? Yes, <laughs> with the money. With the money, <laughs> so so I think what's it like? What, have any have I, any of you's got to go? Any of you's got to go practicing? You no, not interested. I play with RC cars to socialise with people and enjoy myself. Go stand there on my own, drive a track car around. Uh, there's nothing. What are you going to gain? I don't need to. There's no race coming up, so you don't need to learn anything about the car. No, this this um, is what I this is what I said the other day. I. I Okay, here's, here's, a quick, here's a quick one for you, Rob. I had a 10-year break of racing, so I raced up until 2001, and I didn't go back until 2013. And I was shit then, and I'm shit now. Oh, but, yeah. but I turned up to my first race at Mendit, made the A, and was still at the sharp end, as I was 10 years ago, and I hadn't touched a car. It's like riding a bike. It's not going to disappear overnight. Yeah, your sharpness will go and your consistency will drop off a bit. It'll come back rapidly. Well, this is this is something um, I remember uh, Johnny Skidmore said a couple of a couple of weeks ago. He said, oh, what, the new Schumacher driver. Oh, yeah. 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 He basically turned and said, and said, most of us are just going to turn up to our first proper 
day back at the track, first proper race, and we're all going to be diabolical. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's that's the thing. It's going to happen. You won't be diabolical. You might just not be as sharp as you were, but it will come so quick. Oh, it's the uh, the thing is, once you've you've done that first initial race meeting, and you know we've we've been told by the BRCA everything is hunky dory. You know, the government have decided that they're not going to start shutting us down and this, that, and the other. You, you're going to go practicing every day then again, aren't you? Well, some will. So, some will. So, some who have the capabilities, you know, some that don't have jobs or RC is their job and stuff, blah, blah, blah. They're going to have the capabilities of popping to their local and getting ready for the meeting that's the following Sunday. Yeah. But like, like you said... And like I said to, to Aidan and the guys the other day, what are you going to learn and what are you learning for? Yeah. You know, as Aidan rightly said, the season is written off. There, there will not be, I can honestly say, I don't think even a national will be considered this year in on, on any discipline, you know, touring car, 12th scale, us being off-road or eight-scale in general. I don't think there will be a national of any description. Who knows? Yeah, I I see your two points. I think I also disagreed at the time that, you know, a lot of us don't go to get better. Clearly, none of us, some of us don't get better at all. Some of us get worse. Just just to get out the house. You go to, you, like Martin said, you go to socialise. You, you know, you go to see the mates that live 200 miles away. You know, obviously, me and Martin live probably, what, 200 miles away, if that. Yeah. But I think I've spoken to Martin more since we were told to stay at home than I do <laughs> at the track. <laughs> so, you know, we've got this this on a, on a, on a Tuesday night normally. Um, but then we've got, you know, we've all played... Uh, Call of Duty together, and you know, I speak to Crompton and Darren Windsor and all those guys, and you know, Facebook message everyone here and there. And like I said, I've spoken to probably Martin and you, you more in the time we've been sort of shutting our houses more than I've done at the, when we've been at a track together. Yeah, but I guess I but that that point of that, that that's your thing of RC, which is traveling two hundred meters miles to spend a weekend with Martin Hello. But, which, which sounds lovely but that's not oh, it is. Yeah, that's not my view of what's not what my eyes my, my view of RC is I just go to Southport and race my toy car um, that, that's, that's going to I think that's going to come sooner than we're ever going to see you know the things that you do I've said it before it's like nationals are a, a different <laughs> hobby the stuff you do, you know, you're programmed to two runs of practice, four rounds and a, and a final. That that's 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 different. So just that, I think we'll get back to, well, we will have to get back to small club meetings. Probably by the time we'll be able to do that, we'll be moving indoors, and indoors just seems to bring out even more problems. We'll need the rules to be relaxed two or three more times. Before we even think about an indoor meeting, I think I think I, I don't. I'm not sure where I read it, but they were talking about how indoor racing was going to work, and generally trying to obviously keep the space and the distance between 
drivers, marshals, obviously people in pitting areas and stuff, and a lot, like a lot of the leisure centres. I mean, you you've said yourself that venue that the Southport guys use is very tight anyway. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So could you imagine how tight it's going to be when you have to set out two meter distances between each pit table, and then on the rostrum and on the marshalling and so forth and so on? You're going to lose what maybe four forty drivers. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. more. So, we, we, so opening up in the winter. Anyway. No, but then, but but still, you you you're not going to have the full capacity of of drivers. You're not going to have the full capacity of income. So, is it really viable to bother? Well, obviously, it depends on your venue. But you know, yes, you are talking about instead of us having sixty-four, eighty to eight of what we'd have at you know. We had an unwritten rule at Southport that we don't turn people away. If you turned up with your toy car, we'd put nine in a heat, but that, that's gone. But then, but then also take 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 somewhere like Workshop, big winter meeting, big winter series. You know, some of some of the best drivers turn up to that one. I mean, Mate, I, I think maximum if, if if we were lucky, the maximum we'd be able to have at Southport indoors would be twenty, and that would be cutting the, and that wouldn't be running. That we can't run buggies on carpet with jumps because I think we find it very difficult to socially distant do any of those things. We might be running Tamiya racing trucks on slippy floor. Oh, you could do you could do a deal with Kyosho and get some uh, mini Zs going. Yeah, do you know what? We, we could do that because you don't need marshals on the track. That as well, far as I've ever seen a mini Z meeting. Well, I'm thinking Tamiya's with four wheel drive reverse trucks. That could be, but. We just don't know. I'm not being funny. We'll, we'll have to figure. I think um, one of the, I think it's East Shrewsbury, the big, like, eighth track. When they go into yeah. winter, they all, last winter, they all bought some, like, little buggy from CML, like an FTX, like, 70 pound car. And they all just ran them because they ran in the church hall. I think what, what Martin was saying the other day was, is, it's probably going to be more, more, more truth than indoor racing is, and that's going to be everybody's going to buy some form of nitro electric eight scale, and you know places like Hearts and Slough and stuff are going to be incredibly busy. Well, not being funny, eight might be too busy. You know, be funny. You might go out and buy yourself an eight car, and not be able to get to a track in the winter if there's no indoor tents. Um, yeah, <clears throat> true, but well, I don't know I'm because, a... because I mean, in, in the winter, the to local to me, a few of the eighth tracks they struggle in the winter, so you know, it's gonna be the world of good. I know a lot of people as well, normally, sort of last national, last regional, sort of gets done, everybody starts putting their stuff away and waiting till April again. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think people are going to purposely go out and spend six hundred, seven hundred pound on a, a new class. That are they? Oh, some will. Just just filling a void, or so, some will. Um, oh no, there, there there are those people out there that will. Like, by all by all means, again, it's your money. Spend it how you like. But are are those people going to be willing to to put the time and effort in for something that they're probably going to put away in the cupboard? Six months but, time. I don't know. I, I was thinking either one, I could just buy. Obviously, 
for me to run Nitro, the rules would need to be changed that me and Tommy could go to the meeting in the same car. Okay, because I think if we can go to, if I can go into a meeting with Tommy, I can get a one eighth Nitro and just literally let not, I wouldn't need to touch it. I'd just sit there holding the radio. The rest of it could be done. I think he might enjoy that. If that wasn't the case and I couldn't travel with Tommy, then it'd be one eighth electric. But, you know, can't you just buy a, a, a cheap, banged up one eighth? And then I'm not being funny, after three months or four race meetings, just, just throw it in the bin. You don't need to go uh, big. No, no, no. I get uh, what you're saying. You don't have to go and spend a brand new car, a brand new engine, or a brand new motor speed. I'm sure there's someone out there who's selling half decent second hand stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, I wouldn't know. I'd need someone to tell me. But, you know, I think uh, Paul Upton started a, a, a post where there's a lot of information on that and people doing that. Uh, Martin, you know um, the important people at South. Um, Schumacher more than I do. There's no Nanders in stock. Yeah, I saw that. So maybe maybe they should get some Nanders in. Surely I can turn up to a one eighth meeting with a Nanda RTR in. <laughs> You'd be in the pull start final, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be in the pull start final anyway. Um Me- you know, but, yeah. maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to say anything mean about one eighth people because they all look a bit mean and you know, like nitro fuel. So, what, what's your view, uh, Martin? You, you said you're not going to be practicing. Have you had any contact with the the, the local clubs or? Yeah, just, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm going to mend up on Wednesday. Funny enough. All right. To pull weeds out the ground to get the track to keep the track in some sort of state because that's more important than going practicing, in my opinion. Right. Okay. Well, I'm sure. Well, it won't be next week, but maybe the week after you can tell us how many people turned over now. Or do you not want people because you have to be socially? Oh, yeah, no, we're not. We're, it's actually I, 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 just me and, and the chairman are going to socially distant pull weeds out. Well, I think yeah. he's going to go do something else and I'm going to pull weeds out. I just said it'd be pretty soul-destroying to go do it on your own, so it'll be probably the other side of the track and I could just shout at him. Nice. Perfect. But, uh, you know, it's... The, 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 I, I've not seen the track, but I've read on Facebook some people are going to their tracks and the tracks are like a state. Yeah. Well, this this is the thing. Funnily enough, outdoor tracks need maintenance. You know, you can't just shut down for six months and expect the weeds to have disappeared when you turn up and click your fingers. You know, it's going to take a bit of time. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the guys over at Belton have uh, obviously posted the picture this afternoon and I mean, Bowton's always well presented anyway, but I can imagine the last six months that's been sat doing nothing. That that The field alone is probably overgrown and the grass is probably knee height and this, that and the other. And, you know, I couldn't imagine what places like Stotfold or Kidderminster and stuff, you know, what, what do they currently look like? But that's the thing, like you said, people are more interested in getting out practicing. So they're not going to be concerned with what, the tracks look like i mean when mendip's ready for practice great but one thing i can say is it'll be it'll be well presented when it's ready yeah i, I think i spoke about that last time and said you know the first thing southport's going to do is whenever we can do something we'll have to do some maintenance we'll have to sort that out first it, you know that's 
that's what was going to have to be our next step. Yeah. Um, make sure you, you keep in contact with your clubs and do all those bits. I also like the fact that um, we've we've attracted. I think we've attracted some more old races back. Um, you know, my mate Neil from Southport just bought himself an S Works. Nice. Um, you know, he's not raced for about eight nine months, and he's sitting there going, "Well, well, I've got nothing else to do, and you know, I'm sitting there and working, doing whatever." He thought yeah. the S Works looked like a really nice car. You know, you know, officially that means he's dead to me, um, but. <laughs> You know, you know, guys like you know watching Lee's, Lee Chorley's videos and um, um, Rich Uest and John Ingleswood Inglesfield, um, they seem happy with the build they've had. Of the rest Mark, of the Mark, Mark Reinhardt's building one, and he seems to like it. Yeah, looks nice. Um, so that's probably it, mate. Hopefully, I see this as a start. You know, it's it's not this start is not enough for Southport to start, but I've got no problems at all with the clubs that have, and I'm very interested in seeing how they they how they've coped, what they're doing, and I think the discussion about what racing may are like. One of the things Tony Evdoka said came up with someone else mentioned it is um, was regarding marshalling. You know, maybe in you know if there's any kind of racing going on, you know, we're, we're talking weeks down the line. You know, as long as everyone inside the track area wore a mask, yeah. um, and then marshals right. as we came in. And, go on. I've got a thing about masks. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> At work, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, we have been made to wear masks. Yeah. So my argument at work is, why am I bothering to wear a mask? You know, when you know, if someone who's coming to my workplace who is ill. Don't even entertain them in the building. Send them yep. straight home because the mask is not. Okay. And then not not passing on because I don't know what he's touched. And don't no. forget, don't forget, I make toilet paper. Mm-hmm. So what? What if he's touched sixty different? Ah, uh, that mask. That mask is not going to stop me from touching everything. That Oh, Joey, you're getting a bit flaky there, mate. Um, I think what was we thought, I, I see what you're saying for work, but for marshalling, you know, if you, it, what would it would stop us if you, uh, the marshal turned up and before we, the race started, he anti backed his hands and then put his, you know, had his mask on, marshaled for five minutes. If he did have to turn a car over, once he'd finished, he could anti back. Once he finished the race, he could anti back. And a mask during that point would then protect him in that case as if that car's got something on it. It would stop him putting his hands in his mouth. That's all that would do. But, you know, <coughs> but I can see how that would work. I'm sitting there going, well, I'm not before I think that's marshalling sorted. You know, we're not talking about doing it now. We're talking about doing it in a month's time. If that's what we did, you know, you just anti-backed your hands as you came on, mask on. Marshaled the cars. The mask would stop you sticking your fingers in your mouth after you've marshaled the car. Once you've finished, anti-back your hands again. And away you go. Yeah, but it's not... I think I'd rather just stay and play on my Xbox. It's it's not... A mask is not going to solve anything. Because as Rebecca 
Rebecca found out the other day, right? She read something the other day, right? And you, you, you as both parents will know this, and probably people listening to this as parents will know this. When you shit yourself, or when you, mm-hmm. when your child shits themselves, mm-hmm. that that poo or mm-hmm. wee leaks through. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that mask is going to stop things from leaking through if a pair of pants can't stop shit from seeping through. No, I'm, I'm not saying it will. What I'm and saying also, is it would reduce. I get the point, you know, Marshall's going to anti-back, he's going to put his mask on, but then he's got to touch his face to take the mask off his mouth to eat, to drink, to talk, to smoke. But, but you can't get rid of these things, that's the point. We're not talking about now, we're not talking about two weeks ago, we're talking about moving forward. We can't just get in my people, car, get out my people, car, get my shopping. You can't people, stop it. No, you can't. And, you know, people are still going to get it. And as I read on the news, people are still dying from it. Mm-hmm. But all these measures are in place and people are still not healthy. No, they're not. So you're telling me in, you know, maybe a month's time, I turn up to a track. I've got my anti-back spray in my pocket and I've got a mask on. You're still telling me that that's going to solve the problem. I, th- I think it's going to do... Well, you go to work, Joe. Yeah, I go to work, but I'm also in an environment where everybody is tested before they go to work. Before we start, we're all tested for our temperature. Okay, we could do that. Because our be te- if one of the guys got sent home the other day and his temperature was 0.2 over like the, the maximum limit they're allowed, and they still sent him home. Yes, so there have to be some rules. What I'm saying is, nothing that's going to happen now is going to be 100%. But we have to return back to normal somehow. So it's just a thought of how we could do that. Um, we've, probably, we've probably done that too long anyway. Um, I think we're, over, we're all overthinking it. We're sure just starting. Yeah, it's a good point. We won't know until, the very, until we get the more information and we see how the world turns out. But other than that, are we okay? Do we need to chat about anything else, or can we go? We've had a really action-packed episode. Nah, we're all right. We're all good. Martin, have you got anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. I'm, I'm groovy. Have you got any... Uh, we haven't talked, well, other than one or two mentions of Xbox or Warzone, we've done really well this week. Yeah. And Joey didn't get too upset by the double guest. No, but it was... No. It was uh... It was validated for this episode, I suppose. That's okay. I'm sure we're back to single guests and we might need to try and get, get someone who's actually done some racing um, for next week. Um, but I think we, um, I should say that we really enjoyed um, the other week's, ep- last week's episode when we just had people on Discord having a chat. I thought everyone was well behaved. I think we could definitely do that again. Yeah, yeah. It made, it made our lives easier. Which is the secret. Well, I didn't really want to say that to people. It's not like we don't put enough effort in. But yeah, that was true. Where well, we really enjoyed it, so we'll definitely do that again. Well, um, a lot well, of people it makes, continue. It, it makes my life easier if it's an episode where I'm on nights or I've just been asleep all day. And perfect. You, you make sure we know your <laughs> uh, schedule, mate, and we'll sort it out for the next one. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, if anyone else has got some other things going on, or anything, please send us a message. You know, while there's no racing, we're just going to rattle through everybody else. Uh, I know I've got some brand new shells um, being sent to me. Um, I've ordered the new Penguin laydown shells. With actual paint on them or just shitty white? Um, no, they have gone to a painter. 
Mm. Wow. So the the rules are, I'll tell everyone the rules now, and I've not seen them. So not, I don't think they've been done yet. It's mostly white, not red. Um, so we'll see how they come back. Uh, I think I've got some new ones to be laid down and some a new one to be top cat as well. And that's been done by Vix Pate, which is Caden Stenhouse's mom, Matthew Stenhouse's missus. Um, she's been doing some really good stuff, does all Caden's, so she's doing mine. Thank you very much. Um, check all the stuff she does out, it's really good. Um, I really enjoyed when I went to Tesco, I was listening to David Ronafal on the Voice RC podcast today. That's recently come out, and I have had a bit more time in the car, so I have caught up with um, No Name podcaster Jamie Booth, who was on the other week. I don't know if you guys have caught up with that one. And um, Mick Craddock was on, I think it was last week. Um, so they were some really good, really good episodes to catch up on. Um, though I find it difficult when I'm not in a car. But I don't know about you two. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, they're they It's definitely something you do in a car, but there's more people driving now, so you know, you never know. You never know. Okay, you right. Know. Uh, Joey, do you want to thank sponsors? Uh, yeah, as always, the guys over at Coast UK and Coast Europe. Uh, Sean at PBM. Uh, the guys over at Reds. Clearly, everything's getting back to normal for those guys. Hopefully. Uh, Freddie at Fracture Fred Racing and Brian at Screws for RC. Brilliant. And you, Martin? Just uh, John at RC Octane and uh, the guys at Schumacher and Richard RDT and anyone that wants to sponsor me with an electric eight scale to race. Hit yeah. me up. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose neither me or you, Martin, have got it. No, that's sort of no. an eight thing we have. So yeah, I'm, I'm up to offers. That'd be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to offers. Uh, but obviously, mine will need a full time pitman. Oh, you want nitrous? You want electric? I don't need a full time pitman then. Even if it's electric, I'm still going to need a full time pitman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, of course. I'd like to thank the Chumac family for uh, hopefully getting some Nanders in stock, maybe for the winter, um, and generally looking after me so well. I would always like to thank the guys at TQ Models. They've just filled another one of your raff- their raffles, and I think well, tomorrow or today, whenever it's Tuesday, uh, I'm going to draw the pictures out for some lovely Aromax or M- MIP tools. Hope I win the MIP tools. I'm willing to fix this one. Um, and they're the people... Oh, I've, I've had a lot of help with my screws from... Oh, screws for RC. Is that... Did I say it right, Joe? Yeah. Okay, um, and I've even glued some of my tyres up with some um, factory threads uh, racing glue that I found. So that's really nice. Check out all the things. Um, it's nice to see um, Freddie Thompson driving around the track slightly bigger than his garden. It's nice to see the Smiths out. Uh, it's great to see Dan Austin out and getting practice. Um, the Americans, a lot of the Americans seem to be out, though. I think AMS has still been put back. So I think it depends where you are in America. So we will see some more racing. So hopefully we can get some guys on. Is that all right, boys? Have we finished now? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'd like to thank um, Mike and Trenton for coming on. We'd like to thank all the boys who came this week. We'll catch you next week. Um, thanks very much. See you guys. Cheers, mate. 
Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.